I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war, and poverty. Oh. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today's guest is professional surfer and hobbyist shaper Matt Miola. I'm recording this intro in my hotel room in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Actually, not a hotel room. This is an artist retreat, an artist residency um, that's by invite only. Super interesting place. I wasn't invited here as an artist, but the Florida Surf Film Festival hosts their events here. It's the Atlantic Center for the Arts. And it's a pretty amazing compound. It's like a 13-acre property with various bungalows, a studios, music studio, a theater, gallery. Pretty spectacular place. And the Florida Surf Film Festival does a phenomenal job of curating film selections and then hosting community screenings quarterly. And I am here as a juror voting on the films. I'll be interviewing some of the filmmakers, and um, you can hear those in the upcoming weeks. And then also, I want to do kind of an overview of what the most interesting and worthwhile films are to watch, and then I'll post a guide to that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Just listen to the podcast, and uh, I'll clue you in when that goes down, if you're interested. It's kind of interesting, this ever-changing media landscape. A lot of these really amazing films are unseen, and um, that's something that I actually discuss with Matt Miola in today's show, because even athletes and filmmakers aren't sure where to showcase their work or how to even connect with an audience. So it's an interesting time that we're in, uh, but we're going to kind of try to help rectify that with the podcast uh, in the coming weeks. So look forward to that. But before I get into my conversation with Matt Miola, it's a little bit of house cleaning to do. Kyle Johnson was the winner of the Channel Islands Rocket Wide in Spine Tech that we gave away last month. So congratulations, Kyle. Thank you to Channel Islands and everyone who donated to support this show. I have an additional thank you. Spy Optic is going to give away a $500 gift certificate to be used on their website, spyoptic.com, to somebody who uses our promo code this month before November 20th and then another in December that I'll announce on December 20th. In short, they support two shows on this podcast network. They kind of support the network as a whole, but they support... Uh, spit and the grit and they appreciate the feedback and the support that they've gotten from you people who have purchased sunglasses or snow goggles and we track all of that through a promo code uh, which is podcast that's what you would put in and apply Um, and we were trying to figure out a way to kind of say thanks for the support 
And we decided that since the holidays are coming up, that we will help you with your holiday gift giving, with your shopping. So anyone who buys a pair of shades or goggles in November or December and uses our promo code podcast will be entered to win. And then I will pick one winner on November 20th and then a second on December 20th. And you can utilize those to uh, either treat yourself really well and buy a whole array of sunglasses and goggles or give your family and friends some amazing gifts and help them see happy. So, without further ado, a candidate for perhaps the most interesting surfer in the world. He's a commercial fisherman, bow hunter, friend of Willie Nelson, big wave surfer, innovator of the spindle flip, and various other air rotations. Matt Miola. My name is David Scales. This is Surf Splendor. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. I'll be back at the end of the show to sign us off. but how was your fishing expedition the other day oh man it was good was it it was good but it was pretty brutal and long and rough but we did well how long were you up um shoot we went out at let's see i think eight o'clock the one the first morning and stayed out through the night and came back the next night okay yeah what'd you get we got mostly mahi mahi we got a lot um about a thousand pounds of mahi mahi and then um we got a few ono which are wahoo um just like three of them and a handful of tuna but mostly mahi awesome yeah what do you do with all that sell them do you yeah yeah so i've been just uh kind of commercial fishing with a buddy of mine when i'm not surfing just trying to make a little extra cash and um yeah so we sell most of it and then keep a few fish for dinner and then does it go to like local restaurants or yeah so mama's fish house took that whole load oh wow um that's like i don't know if you've heard of that restaurant it's kind of the it's like the really good spot on maui it's like probably the most famous restaurant on maui yeah and it's here on the north shore and it's all like mostly local fishermen all fresh fish how's the restaurant though like it's insane is it yeah it's like crazy you go in there and they have like you walk through these like banyan tree arches and it's like you feel like you're on like a boat when you're in the restaurant because it's all like make all like super nice like crazy wood and like it's trippy you feel like you're on a boat okay because before i came out on this trip i told listeners i'm like hey i'm gonna be in maui if anybody has recommendations for either people to interview or uh places to visit let me know and every person mentioned that and they're like it's wildly expensive but it's worth it. Yeah, it's super expensive. I only go maybe once, twice a year. Yeah. But um, but if you haven't eaten there, it's like you got to do it. Right. That's Just what for the experience. Says. Yeah, totally. it's super good. Yeah, well, based on your Instagram account, um, it seems like you're spending more time fishing and hunting than you have been surfing in recent years. Um, so I, was, I yeah. didn't know that you were doing it commercially. I thought it was just strictly a hobby. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, 
it is a hobby, but trying to make a little extra money doing it, and I enjoy it. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm working because I enjoy every yeah. second of it. So completely. Yeah. I can't believe how many deer there are on the island. Yeah, it's crazy. They're all over the place. I should. We should have done this at my at my mom's house because I have a pet deer that lives over in her backyard. Oh, do you really? Yeah. A pet deer. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Um, Can you domesticate deer? Yeah, I mean, it's like we've had it since it was born. And, um, I mean, the first, like, four months of its life, it slept in the bed with us and everything until it kind of, it got old, because we'd wake up in the middle of the night, and there'd be pee in the bed, and shit in the bed, and So you can't fully domesticate it. Yeah, so, it's not, like, potty trained, but, I mean, the thing's, like, basically like a dog, I mean, come out, and it cuddles you, and, like, it's pretty cool. What's its name? Donut. Nice. Yeah. So, um... You hunt deer too, though. Yes. Well, what do you hunt on the island? Just deer? Um, I mostly hunt deer. There's also lots of wild boar here. Okay. There's goats. Um, I'll I'll hunt pigs every once in a while, but the deer meat is just so clean and so good that it's kind of all I really want to hunt. Yeah. And then there's birds. There's pheasants and uh other little birds but mostly just deer that's my main thing is just bow hunting deer nice um so we have a lot of lot to discuss you touched on some of it which is just like how do you make a living as a pro surfer nowadays mm-hmm. like not competing yeah and doing a commercial fishing side gig might be the answer but we'll get into that in a minute the one thing i really wanted to chat with you about first and foremost was uh, expressing my gratitude for you clearing up the rotation debate with that YouTube video. Oh yeah, um, it's funny. I <laughs> I got in a big argument with Albie and and my uh, and his filmer Dan. He I film with him a lot as well. But um, we were just in France and we got in a huge argument about it. It was pretty funny. So they take Albie takes the opposite position. Yeah, yeah. He takes the opposite position. Um, it's funny. It's like their their whole stance is we should uh, respect the skateboarders and snowboarders who originally did these tricks and named them that. And I totally understand that. I um I have huge respect for those guys. I look up to them. Those, I mean, I study their moves. But if you look at uh, skateboarders, are calling it right because they the angles they take off at are like almost the same every time you know they go straight up the ramp straight back down snowboarders are kind of if you look at them in a half pipe they're like slightly angled but um snowboarders they they round up on their rotation so even though they didn't like fully do like a 540 or 720 they're like a little under they still call it that right because they're going off what the skateboarders did. But cool. surfing's so different. It's like, I feel like you can't compare them because we're dealing with a moving surface that every single time you hit the air section, the angle you take off at is different. Like, there's sometimes I'm taking off, like, riding out towards the flats, towards the beach. And then if I did, if I rotated fully, one 360, I'd land at the beach. And then there's times you take off and you're, like, angled way up. So it's like this big gray area because there's like this whole 
like I don't know what is it. How many degrees is that? Uh, less than one eighty, so yeah. I'd say that's more than ninety. Yeah, so one ten. So it's always different. Totally. So it's so to call them exact is like almost impossible in surfing. And I don't think we need to call them exact. No. But we need to. I'd say you either, if we're gonna round, we can only round ninety degrees up and down. You can't round one hundred and eighty. Yep. Right. And I think the big miss. I don't know, communication or understanding is um, the snow and skate kind of influenced guys are looking at it as a moving half pipe yep. or a quarter pipe. You know, they're like, oh, the wave is a quarter pipe. Therefore, even if you hit it at an angle, not straight up, you still got to give them the straight up kind of degree. It's not a half pipe. It's not a quarter pipe. It's more a launch pad. You know, it's like if you're snowboarding and there's a jump in front of you mm-hmm. that's more akin to what you're doing in surfing you're not going up the wall and then going sh- launching straight up you know yeah you you almost never see anyone go straight up the I've, wall i've never seen air. unless they're getting towed out at the ocean by a jet ski which also doesn't happen you know yeah so and it's uh it's funny because the big argument is, oh, we need to respect the snowboarders and skateboarders and call the tricks that. So it's like, are, are we going to start calling snaps kick turns? Exactly. Are we going to start 50, calling 50 floaters 50-50s? Yeah. Like, I mean, how? Uh, I was talking to Kelly, and he's like, oh, well, why don't they... Uh, if uh why don't the snowboarders respect the figure skaters and call it triple axles? You know, it's like you could keep going back. and then, And then the funny thing is, okay... At the end of the argument I had with Alvy and Dan, they're like, well, we're calling two 360s a 900. And I was like, but it's not. And he's Makes like, sense. yeah, but that's what they're calling it in snowboard. And I was like, okay, well, all right, if you're about respecting um, the snowboarders, then why don't we respect science? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and And by that, it's a failed logic anyways because – skateboarding came from surfing yeah and snow came from both those things so Mm -hmm. really if you want to follow that logic all the way back then you should be respecting the surfers originally you know what i mean and but i agree with you with the math thing and the science thing where it's like look i just i've got a delicate sensibility about just like not looking like a dumbass and Mm -hmm. i feel like uh anybody with um Anybody who's just looking at the sport from the outside, who doesn't know anything about surfing, skating, snowboard, just who witnesses somebody do what you and I would call a full rotation, a 360 air, witnesses it, can see where the takeoff and landing was and see that it's 360 degrees of rotation. And then you have surfers going, no, 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 that's a 540. They're going, dude, the Spicoli stereotype that I think of you as, the stoner, Mm -hmm. idiot, just wants to hang out at the beach all day can't even count 360 degrees of rotation and then they write you off you know and so i don't and not that i'm worried about what everybody thinks necessarily but it's like look guys it's clear as day mathematically what this is you're really it's a forced fit to try to apply some different terminology to it yeah it's never almost never going to be exactly a 360 it might be a little over a little under but but Another argument is in snowboard and skate, if you land fakie, the trick is complete, you know? 
where in surfing you have fins and you have to spin out of it for the trick to be considered complete. So if you did, you know, what I would call a 540 to revert 720, um, uh, a lot of people are just calling it a 720. But it's like, well, what happens if you land with your nose facing forward? Are you going to call it the same thing? Yeah. It's Because it's not. It's like landing backwards and spinning out of it is so much different than you know, not having to spin out of it. Yeah. And um, other other sports, they don't have fins. They don't have to revert out exactly. of their moves. Yeah. yeah. I think the most important thing to come out of this whole discussion is that there need there is all this gray area, and um, that makes it worth, like, creating unique labels for surfing. It isn't those things. Every yeah. single version of this that we've discussed is entirely different than the previous one. And so it now warrants its own labeling. You yeah. can't apply something else to it. Yeah. I don't um I don't see why we have to call it what what they're doing because yeah. it's a fucking different sport. Completely. It's a different sport. Every ramp what makes surfing so unique is every wave is different, every ramp is different. It's never gonna look the same. In snowboard and skate it's the same every time you it's so much easier to call a trick a name and stick to that name but surfing like you can take five different air 360s and all of them are going to look totally different which is also why it's rad and that's why it's cool yeah and as i don't know why we have to uh like name it after what other people were doing like like we've been doing calling it what we've been calling it for 20 years and now we have to change it yeah like it's just like why <laughs> well i um no i've talked so. to john john about it he's same he's on your side yeah 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 it's matter of fact as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. um well good i'm glad we got that cleared up kelly uh, is too see that so if the greatest of all times back in it then and okay so you <laughs> know my other thought is with those guys they've been kind of silent about it and which i appreciate it's like this is such a stupid argument to even engage in. Yeah. Let's just move forward knowing where that we're right and history will vindicate us and mm-hmm. not even engage in it. It's like him arguing with flat earthers. Like, why would you even engage? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you can't even go there because... Yeah. So, firstly, my town on Maui, by the way, has been insane. Yeah, what are you, what are you doing over here? So, family vacation and then... Um, I just figured I would come along and record some podcasts and I have a bunch of know a bunch of people here anyways that I could hang with and chat with and surf with and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I had never been I'd been to Maui like five years ago to record an episode with Tom Parrish and um Charlie mm-hmm. Smith. Cool. But I hadn't like spent any extended time. And um I've gotta say, I think Maui might be based on this trip alone, might be my favorite island. It's pretty rad. It's freaking it's, rad. It's uh were you able to make it like out to Hana and drive yeah. around the whole backside? The backside was closed. No. Or, well, okay. I didn't actually venture that far, but everybody told us that the road was closed. They're doing some sort of construction. Darn. So we didn't go that far. We went to Hana mm-hmm. and then came back the same road. Shoot. We came. I wish you could have seen the backside because that's like by far the most beautiful part of the island. Is it really? Yeah. Like You're, away from the coast as the road cuts in? or The road like... So you come... It's crazy. So you you get out of Hana and the um Hana's like super lush, green, windy road and then the road turns into kind of a dirt road and it um gets real close to the ocean and the super rugged coastline like you're driving like on the edge of like 
seems like you could just like drive off the cliff straight in the ocean you know and uh there's like these gnarly cliffs and stuff like boulders could come down and it's a rugged road and then uh the road just slowly starts creeping up the mountain and you go from like rainforest into this like looks like the african plains or something and you start like going up and then next thing you know you're like getting way up and you're like looking over um you can see like Ko'olawe and Molokini and then all of a sudden you're like up in this like high forest area that's like I don't know like maybe something like Northern California or something Mm. like big trees and so it's like this crazy change it goes from like rainforest to like plains to like crazy forest it's trippy yeah, that is crazy. Even on that road to Hana, like every mile or two, mm-hmm. it's completely different trees, completely different flowers. It's yeah. really, really insane. Yeah, how it's much nuts. diversity there is. Next time you come, you got to do the whole loop. Hopefully, okay. if they're they're always doing road work, so it's like you got to get lucky. Okay. Um, I heard somebody. I don't. I never verified this. I'm sure the internet has the answer, but somebody said that um, the Big Island has all seven different climates on it like it has snow desert tundra rainforest like everything that exists in the world exists on the big island yeah i believe it so crazy yep just think of it as being beachy you know yeah big islands that's pretty nuts to think about i've never really thought about that but it it does i'm pretty sure maui we get snow every once in a while do you? like on the top of the crater just like right. a little bit but um yeah big island it's pretty crazy you could like snowboard and surf right. in the same day well the reason why i wanted to ask you about i mean it, maui being so idyllic is just do you think that uh, being raised here has hindered your career in any way is it tough to leave for sure has i it? hate leaving really i get like so within like three days of being almost anywhere i'm like extremely homesick it's funny because every time i go somewhere people are like how was your trip and i'm like honestly all i wanted to do is come home yeah like i haven't found anywhere that i like better than maui really um yeah it's it's a trip like i mean i love seeing other parts of the world and stuff but it really is just like makes me feel lucky that i live here like every time I leave, I just go, wow, Maui is so cool. It seems like Albie's been spending a lot of time in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Has he? Yeah. Is that? He's mostly over there. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. He, uh, he comes back for jaw swells, basically. It. Yeah. So I was thinking, I don't think I've ever even seen a clip of you on a Wahoo. Like, I, I can't think of any pipe Super footage. Rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, like, only go if I have to. And a lot of times, I don't even bring a board. Really? Yeah. So did you, I mean, you had to recognize at some point in your surf career, early days, that you have to be on the north shore of Oahu in the wintertime to be seen. Yeah, so that's, it's funny because that's always been like the formula, you know? Growing up in Hawaii, like all the guys before us, that was the formula, you know, you you're if you're from any of the other islands you have to once you're like in your teens you have to start going to the north shore and proving yourself and and i think sort of what me and albie and a few friends did was just try to break that formula because we're like we don't want to do that and 
somehow it ended up working in our favor because all of a sudden our footage and everything we were doing was different and it helped us stand out. It wasn't just like, okay, here's another guy at Pipeline getting barreled or, you know, doing the Triple Crown. It was like, oh, these guys are making movies and doing airs at these, like, totally different-looking waves. And and it was kind of my saving grace being able to being able to do that because I think I would have disappeared if I just went and surfed Oahu. Really? Yeah, I just think I would have I would have burned out. I can't handle the crowds and the just high intensity and energy over there. It's so like I go surfing over there and I just like don't enjoy it. Yeah. It's so hard. It's it's crazy. You go out and you get what, five waves a session? I can maybe they're good waves, but I can come I can surf here, catch 50 waves, you know? It's so much easier to get footage and do what I like to do over here. Yeah. Well, you say that it um, it was kind of your saving grace. Yeah. But in hindsight, I mean, I'm just thinking like Kai Barger, Clay Marzo, Granger, they've all had like industry backing early in their career. Mm-hmm. But when the industry went through kind of a belt tightening, they were the first contracts to get cut from their respective sponsors. You know what I mean? So I think that there is kind of a plight of the Maui surfer. And even though you've done that collectively as a group, the industry still cuts you first. You know, you as a group is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's... It's crazy. I mean, I mean, is that true, or is that just my perceptive fr- perception from Southern California? Um, well, I feel like shoot, all those guys you named are like. I mean, I still think Clay's probably one of the best surfers in the world. I watch him surf all the time. It's like mind blowing. Some of the stuff he does, and no one's even seen it. Is like, you could put John John, you could put Kelly, any of the best guys, Gabriel. And Clay would probably smoke him, like, out at windmills and stuff. Like, the, the stuff he's doing is just radical. Um, and it's sad because he, he just got, like, dropped and forgotten. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a company that would pick him up and just say, okay, here's, like, a base salary, and we're going to pay a filmer as well to just follow you and film you and make edits of you because he'd be putting out, like, the best shit mm-hmm. ever. Um. But I don't know. Uh, Do you feel slighted by the industry at all? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I never really... I don't know. I think it could be slightly my fault for taking a different path and not trying to be like... I feel like the guys making the big money are the contest guys. And being a free surfer, it's like kind of tough. I don't know. It's hard to even define the industry now anyways because mm-hmm. the magazine model has shifted and all that. Um, like that almost has no value for a sponsor anymore, whether or not you're getting cover shots and that sort of thing. Um, the value is all based in self-generated media. Yeah. You know, and you guys, you and Albie certainly did a good job with that. Um, uh, by partnering with, like you said, Dan, is it Norkunas? Yeah. Is his last yep. name? And Elliot Lebo? Yeah, Elliot Lebo. And Lebeau. I got my buddy... Um, John Spencer, who does most of my filming now. Okay. Yep. So you guys, the series, um, The Isle, was yeah. it? Yeah. 
that was amazing like the first especially episode one hilarious like it's it was perfect for its moment like yeah youtube instagram were just kind of hitting and it was hilarious it the surfing was beyond reproach like it was amazingly good giant airs big waves so there was nothing that could compete with you guys at that time and it was self-produced which is like Mm -hmm. yeah that was a, a special time um it's crazy now because that's like you're saying that's like right when all this social media and everything was kind of coming out and uh so we started making these videos and they'd go up on Surfline and all these sites and stab and they'd be up there for two weeks you know on the front page and you just get all these views and we're going man this is crazy uh we were like maxing out all our incentives with our sponsors because we were getting all these views and now as time has gone on and people started putting out more stuff and people have kind of like their attention spans way shorter it's so much harder to get views even if i put an edit out that in my opinion the surfing's 10 times better than what i was doing back then the views aren't aren't matching it because Mm -hmm. your stuff's on the site for a day and it's already filtered out the next day you can't find it it's like way back in the archive already because there's so much stuff coming out um is that discouraging um, does it does it diminish your desire to go out tomorrow and put together banger clips? No, but it it's sad because I really like working on an edit and making like a beautiful five minute plus piece, you know, of like that I'm proud of with like good music and really good clips. But I feel like you just can't get the the views on that kind of stuff anymore, and it's like sad. It's like I get more play from just posting one clip on instagram right and it's like shit where you're losing like the the art you know i think about that all the time it's so strange as a guy who was raised watching every surf film that came out and like saving 30 bucks to go buy it yeah like i am sad to see that medium kind of go away yeah but john john's last edit space on Mm -hmm. the other hand that felt like art to me it wasn't 45 minutes but that was like a phenomenal that was insane yeah you know like not only the surfing but the uh the filmmakers craft in it yeah it was totally different and see that to me that that's so cool but john john's like on another level anything he puts out is gonna get you know crazy attention um but it warrants rightfully so yeah exactly but um I feel like the kids mostly to get psyched, they'll go go on Instagram and just watch a couple of clips. It's not like they're gonna go and like download and edit and watch it like like we used to watch surf movies. Like right. that's not happening anymore. Like yeah, it's totally different now. They're probably going on Instagram and watching a couple of clips and being like, okay, we go. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What was the last full-length surf film that you watched? Full-length surf film? Hmm. Shoot. is probably is probably the last one John did. View from a blue moon. Yeah. See, you're to blame too. Yeah. You're not I watching am. them either. But there, there isn't it. They're not making them like. Well, so that's the problem is. Yeah. With less viewers, less filmmakers are interested in pursuing that path. And by the way, there's no money attached to it. So it's kind of like you either do it yep. purely as a passion project and spend all your own money, or take a commercial gig with one of those brands and do it for them, and they're going to just use it as a commercial. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it's a trip. No, I'm totally guilty. Like, did did you see last year there was a film called The Sea Wolf? No, I didn't see that. There's this dude out of Canada, comes from a skate background, doesn't live by the beach. I think he's in Toronto. His name is Ben Gulliver. And he got Chippa Wilson, Ballerum, a uh, couple of Canadian guys, and did like a North Atlantic cold water focused mm-hmm. film. And he scored the entire thing himself, the music. No way. Shot the thing himself, financed the thing himself. They'd like do a trip. He'd come back home, take a couple commercial gigs, like shoot a commercial for Audi and make a bunch of money and then go back and do another trip. Wow. And because the North Atlantic is like a lot more fickle and unexplored, um, they got skunked quite a bit. But what they did, and, but the benefit of it is the colors there are different. The landscapes are different. The ocean, everything is different. So the film looks completely fresh and new, Mm -hmm. but it reminded me of like seventies Indo exploration where this is like unchartered territory completely. And he's just like a real craftsman. Like the artistic touch on it is very unique and just spectacular to watch. Mm -hmm. It's a really good film. Yeah. I'll have to watch that. No, that, that sounds really cool. I just watched uh, Chippa's. I was going to ask. It's so nuts. I actually saw it when I was in France, and um, I was just tripping out like, holy smokes, this is kind of the coolest thing I've seen in a while. Because of the surfing? or Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Strictly the surfing. It was just like, it was like 11 minutes of just like, it was overwhelming, you know? Yeah. It was like sensory overload. There's so many bangers that you can't even like remember which 
which one is what because it was just like one after another i think for me that is the um what identify how you identify like a kind of a culture shifting clip versus just an average clip is yep. wanting to watch it more than once yep because so many things have come along in the last year where i go wow that's amazing and then i never look at it again mm-hmm. and then a week later i can't even remember who it was yep but that clip specifically it's like oh shoot i gotta go back and rewind and watch again yeah. and again which is like the surf films of our youth mm-hmm. yep no so, that that was insane so i'm curious though if you in your position with your talent level and access to these filmers and waves and all that stuff are unsure where to display your media you know how to get it out there Mm -hmm. that's problematic for me like that's a scary a sign of a scary times for me it is because i'm i'm sitting here going well do i want to make an edit or am i just gonna like release these clips like on instagram like i'm just looking like what what would my sponsors like more you know like obviously I'd love to make edits that's what I like to do I think it's uh it's way more of an art form than just flipping your clip on Instagram you know but you do it on you do that on Instagram you get like a billion freaking views on the thing and it's like almost more valuable to go to your sponsors when your contract's up and be like look all these things got this many views than hey I put it out on uh Surfline it was there for like a day and then everyone forgot about it I mean is Surfline, you keep referencing Surfline, and I agree with you, but is that even the platform now that videos are seen on? Um, Surfline, I, Stab, I mean, those are kind of the main sites. I mean, are, are people going on Vimeo and, like, going to other people's pages? I don't know how it works. I don't think so. I just, I'm so lost. I'm like, how how is this... How does this work? The I don't fact, know what to do. I know, it's bizarre. The fact that you're confused by it though th- bothers me because it's like i just want to view good surf content yeah and if the people producing it aren't sure what the platforms are crap where am i going to get to see it then you know it's yeah. scary yeah it's trippy um there's not a good aggregate site like surfline is and stab is they aggregate all these videos and you can kind of go on there and sift in between the articles and in between mm-hmm. the forecast to try to find the things. But I know Shane Dorian tried that stacking clips website a couple of years ago, Yep, which was like solely devoted to just like, Hey, surf people, everything mm-hmm. can be found here, but there isn't one that exists now. I know that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. It's crazy. I was talking uh, to Dan. He was talking about like how in like, NBA and all these different sports they have like you can pay like whatever it is a monthly thing or a yearly thing and you just get all like the good content for like NBA whatever or whatever it is it's kind of a cool formula because you could have uh, these sites that people pay for a membership or whatever and then these sites are able to pay the surfers for their content because it's getting harder to produce all this content because where does the money come from right. to, to make it? It's expensive. You have to pay for music. You have to pay for all this editing and filming, and it gets super expensive. And then you just give it away for free on these uh, to all these websites. Right. And it's 
it's getting like harder and harder for surfers to be able to do that. It's like, where does the money come from to do it? So it'd be cool if there's some sort of formula where like the diehard surf fan could pay, pay their membership. It doesn't have to be that much. And then that gives these sites a budget to buy the stuff from the surfers. And then everyone could go there to see like the real good shit. Yeah. Because as the model goes the way it's going, the content producers are, it's basically in the hands of a very few. Yeah. It's like the content's either generated by WSL or five main brands, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you're in with those people, great. And they'll produce good quality content. But there's a million other interesting surfers surfing around the world generating stuff that they do put it out on the internet but there's so much white noise on the internet that it just kind of disappears yeah so yeah there there should be like an underground yeah something like i feel like something needs to change i mean i would totally pay what i don't know how much does it have to be 50 bucks a year and then i could watch everything you know And you could do all kinds of uh, profiles on guys and all kinds of cool stuff. So, I mean, so I pay five bucks a month for Spotify, and that's what they do. And they pay the artists. Yeah. But when they came around... People don't don't have a problem paying 50 bucks to watch a pay-per-view fight. That's one fight. Yeah. I mean, 50 bucks a year for everybody's best surf content, and it's like all good stuff, and you don't have to deal with all the weird, you know... It's a model that the WSL is looking at implementing, by the way. Like, it is. Ra- yeah, rather than having the events online for free with like the same repetitive Jeep ad over and over mm-hmm. and over again, just sixty bucks a year, and then you get the all access pass. Yeah, know? which I'd be willing to do, to be honest. I'd be, and I want them to survive, and I want them to thrive. So yeah, it's like in a way, I know people would be like, "That's the dumbest idea. I don't want to have to pay to watch a contest." But it's like, well, if you want this sport to keep going and you want contests to happen there has to be a change because it's like it's a struggle right now like completely so i don't know it's like something has to change it has to start going in that direction i think well you um it's interesting using dan uh and elliot as examples because the first time i saw their work was in the aisle Mm -hmm. and if you go back and look at it you could see their talent in it Mm -hmm. but what they've done since then and even almost immediately thereafter like i feel like they got that little taste of what they were doing and then just ran with it and they're they're really unbelievably good craftsmen yeah and the films coming out of maui for that next couple of years were like kind of the best films coming out of anywhere in surfing Mm -hmm. and uh I think it's really a benefit for you guys, the surfers, to have talented guys like that. Oh, yeah. We're so lucky. Yeah. These guys are legit. Yeah. we. W- I mean, we couldn't do shit without them. Yeah. Yeah. We're super lucky that they're here doing that. It's like, it's a blessing for sure. I'm also interested uh, in the little board building community here. I'm staying mm-hmm. like half a mile down the road from the Timponies and okay, I've been cool. surfing with Nick yeah. in the mornings and stuff. And like going up to the cannery and just seeing that it's super small. It's like everybody's right here within oh, one parking lot. It's such a rad scene. It's like, yeah, I'd say the yeah the Puella cannery right here. Almost every almost every shaper on the island is kind of working out of there. It's interesting. Yeah, and they're all technically competitors. They are. Yeah, it's a trip. 
they're all like <laughs> next door neighbors, but they're competitors. But I mean, I'm friends with all of them. Yeah. And it's cool. They all have like their own little, little thing going on. So, you know, there's like Kazuma who was shoot. He probably coached every single Grom coming up from Maui. And he's like, you know, I mean, he made me boards for years, like the best Grom boards ever. And, uh, he, he's like actually a really good surfer too. And he's best coach you could have. And then you have like Sean Ordinez who made me boards after that for years which worked perfect because I kind of broke away from the contest scene and Sean's like a super trippy guy and into just trying all kinds of weird new stuff. Um, and so I started getting just all kinds of weird boards from him and it was really cool because it kind of went along with the weird surfing I wanted to do. And then you have Tim Pony, who's just like old school legend, who's been making boards for forever. He's like the old guru at the shop, at the cannery. And then, uh, and now there's Keith, who's like ex windsurfer, and now oh, he's yeah. getting into. Um, he's been building short boards for the past few years for all kinds of guys. Uh, Emi's riding his boards. Oh, he is. I've been riding his boards, and so now I'm like, I don't want a board sponsor because I have all these cool guys I can get boards from, and I just like having the freedom to ride whatever I want. Right. But it's cool. We have so many guys on Maui. Um, Jed Lau, I think he's one of the guys from Okipu who starting started shaping the last few years. There's so many. There's too many to name. Who uh, do you get big wave boards from? Um, I was getting them from Sean. I haven't uh, been surfing big waves much, though. Oh, you haven't? No. The, I kind of faded out the past couple of years. Why? Um, I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> um. I got pretty beat at Jaws to the point where I was like, whoa, like, is this really worth it? You know, I've kind of, I got hurt a few times. I've hurt my back and I honestly don't feel like if, if I got freaking ragdolled at Jaws real bad, I don't know if my back could, could handle it. Really? Like I fall on like six footers sometimes and I'm just like, oh, whoa, like I gotta just kind of always be thinking about it. Um... So that scares me. I don't want to freaking get paralyzed. But yeah, I'm basically kind of scared. What happened? You said you had a bad wipeout. Can you walk me through that story? I just, yeah, I just got super worked and like to the point where I was, thought I might black out. Um, is it a right? It was a left. It was a big left and just kind of got mowed down and got super pounded and was like, came up in tears basically like, holy shit. I feel pretty lucky that I survived that one. Did did skis rescue you? Yeah, my buddy came in after like I think it was like I took like three waves or pretty sure it was three, and then he came in and grabbed me, and I just like broke down on the ski like holy shit that was close. Wow. But um, I mean I I surfed Jaws since then a couple times, but I just don't have the desire I had when I was younger. I feel like when I was like in my early twenties, I was just like felt kind of invincible and I wasn't really scared and I was like psyched to do it yeah like every swell I was just like I'm out there I'm out there like all it's all I could think about I didn't even really care about like other type of surfing for a little bit I was like all I wanted to do was surf gnarly waves and um and I just don't have that anymore yeah not that fired up it's super crowded 
it, it turned into like a huge scene when we first started going out it was kind of just like a bunch of the maui boys and our buddies and then it started turning into this big like gnarly scene and now everybody in the world wants to surf jaws and it's like sitting out there trying to battle for waves and i'm just like shit it's scary enough just to try to catch one without having to battle now i'm trying to like make having to make like sketchy decisions based on just trying to get one so i don't know it's like there's definitely days where i'm like shit i really would like to go out and get a couple big waves and do that again but if the crowd like immediately turns me off in the scene it'd be really cool like if there's kind of like a sneaker day like that went under the radar that yeah. not many people came and i could it could be like me and albie and all the all the boys and just like like how it used to be i'd be psyched to do that right but just don't have the fire i had i'm curious how that that whole scene that you're describing has affected like local economy and local just everything i don't think people fully realize how small the place is and to think of the wsl coming over hosting an event that little tiny road to get out there like how do you even get logistics out there how do all these people where do they all stay there's no hotels mm -hmm. on this in this area so where are all these people staying do you think that the popularity of jaws has um been a good thing for the area or has it actually been bad for it has it damaged um, it i don't know that's a uh, it's trippy i mean the popularity of jaws has been really good for surfing i mean billy basically made a career out of surfing jaws like it's it's insane i mean he surfs all over the world but he's like two-time jaws champion like without those contests he would he wouldn't have that title you know um so like it, it's great for some of my friends but there's a lot of angry locals here who hate it when there's freaking cars parked down the whole Hana highway and it's just a traffic jam and it's insane it's like there's a lot of people who don't like that but then right. at the same time there's people charging people to you know ride on their atv down to the cliff so that's good for some people i don't know it's a i guess it's kind of different for everybody yeah depends how you look at it yeah um as far as people staying the whole surfing community is like a big family so basically guys are coming over staying at ian's house staying at albie's house staying at my house so it's like yeah all these houses are basically just you know it's a big friend sleepover kind of deal, but um, there's enough tourism and people on the island. It's not like, I don't think there's like surf fans flying in to watch it, really. Yeah. It's more just people who are here just going, oh, the Jaws event's on, we're going to go down there. Which, even you saying that makes me question the legitimacy of our, quote, sport. Mm -hmm. If there aren't surf fans flying in from it, then really, are we just catering this to our core audience? And does it even, is it even a viable business? Like for the WSL, that's something they have to look at. Like how many people are actually interested in watching this? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just in France for the event and the freaking beach was packed with people coming to watch it. I don't know how many of them are people who flew from other places just to come watch the event. I think it just, wherever that event is, it brings like that local community yeah. to the event, which is cool. But that's a very different audience than what the UFC has or what the NBA has, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. And, you know, the the big wave events, it's different because they happen like, it's not like, uh, you know, scheduled way in advance. It's like, oh my God, there's a swell coming. It's going to happen in a week. Right. So it's kind of hard for people to go, okay, I'm going to drop everything and fly to watch that event. Yeah. Um, plus we have the webcast, so. Yeah. That's kind of the best way to do it. I think, I honestly think there should be, they should charge to watch all these events. Right. So, I mean, honestly, would, they might be that's in the next couple of years. the big problem with surfing and not, you know, because isn't the WSL, weren't they struggling big time? Like, I feel like Absolutely. that's the solution. Yeah. And the real surf fans are, I'm going to pay it. Like, I feel like people will pay it. it. It can't be too steep, but it's like everyone will pay to watch all these other sporting events. Yeah. I think that's part of the solution that they're looking at. Um, and then the other part is just, oh, well, we need that swell window that you're talking about is prohibitive for us to organize all of our things mm-hmm. and to line up the distribution of it through uh, network, television networks and stuff. So that's where the wave pool comes in. So it's like, yeah. all right, well, if we can do these specialty events at JAWS, charge the pay-per-view model, mm-hmm. and then have a, a live venue where we charge an attendance fee, predict the times that it can run, yep. then that's the second part of the model. The yeah. wave pool thing is pretty exciting. Yeah. that That's, I mean, I have this vision of like these pools that hopefully they're going to make them like, like that Texas one, but like couple feet bigger and have it set up so they have like cranes with air wind because people are going to be if you could have that same texas air section but almost twice as big yeah and fans people are going to be doing the gnarliest stuff ever done and you could like fully run like stadium type events you know and it's not like it's going to be like a two week long waiting period or they're going to run today they're going to run tomorrow it takes a you know a week to do the contest it's going to be scheduled at that exact time yeah everyone can come watch it it's going to be a five-hour event and people are going to be doing like crazy stuff how do you compare and contrast that event the stab high event in the waco pool versus the wsl's event in france um it's so different it's like the cool thing about the wave pool is everyone um everyone's dealing with the same wave it's like finally it's fair you know, um, but the cool thing about surfing is, you know, the beauty of surfing is every wave is different, and but that's always been like such a a hard thing to to have a contest, and it's not always fair. You know, the the guy who gets the best wave is at a huge advantage. But he earned that wave he earned, by and large. He earned that wave, but I mean. It's in the ocean. You're dealing with Mother Nature. It's never totally fair. Whereas the wave pool is 100 percent like everyone's it, getting the same thing. It's never totally fair. However, if you and I paddle out at Hokeepa right now, you're going to get better waves than I do because you're more attuned. Mm-hmm. And Kelly Slater and Tom Curran tend to always be on the best waves, no matter where they're at. Yep. So, and that is part of surfing to me. You know, like yep. it's an undeniable part of all of our surf experience. That's true. I surfed um, all three. I've surfed Kelly's pool, the Waco <clears> pool, and the one in Austin too. And I'm super. I was very pro wave pool and even pro like doing contests in wave pools. 
And then after watching the Surf Ranch event, mm-hmm. I kind of had an epiphany, which was the things you're saying are rad and being able to predict and all that is great. But the epiphany was all the core tenant of all surf experience up until 2018 was man versus nature yep. first. And even in a contest, man or woman versus nature. And even in a contest, it was always like, you have to first beat mother nature and then do it better than your opponent. Yep. But first, you got to kind of, if you're at sunset or something, you definitely have to beat mother nature. But even if you're surfing one foot Huntington, mm-hmm. you got to find the right bank. You got to get the set wave. That's the primary tenet. This competing against somebody else is secondary to that. And then I just, so then I was like, oh, that's where this missing element in wave pools is, is making it predictable and knowing what the wave's going to do when it comes actually stripped away a lot of the excitement for the viewing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that they're just going to have to have a different type of format. Well, that's where the Waco thing, like you're saying, if you can add an element of unpredictability, whether it's the crane with the air wind or mm-hmm. slight variation in wave, that could add back yep. that element? Well, I mean, Kelly's pool is like the sickest thing ever, but for an event, it got kind of boring to watch because everyone has kind of the same formula on the wave because you, you kind of have to, you know, yeah. it's like a couple turns, a barrel, a couple turns, another barrel, maybe a little air. Yeah. So watching that a billion times gets boring. But um, I was thinking when I surfed the Texas one, I was like, wow, how cool would it be if they had an event where, you know, because they can pump out so many different types of waves there. So it's like, okay, each surfer gets like three tries at the air section. Then they have to surf the little rippable one. Right. And then, so it's like the best, com- you know, they have like, say they surfed three different types of waves. And then the best combined total out of those three, you know? Yeah. That could be cool and probably more interesting to watch. So then do you think that air shows, just specific air shows, have validity? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I just think if they could make that section bigger and have, like, the right wind on it, the the stuff people are going to be trying and doing is going to be so far beyond anything anyone's done in the ocean as far as air surfing goes yeah um just because you can practice it over and over and guys are going to just start stomping like gnarly stuff i wait all winter long to hopefully get one section that allows me to land like a a 540 or whatever you know where if you could get that thing 100 times a day Imagine the stuff people are going to be doing. And then, you know, you have an event and people see that and it's like, it'd be pretty cool. Um, what are your thoughts on the WSL's air show tour concept? Mm-hmm. Are you for it? Do you think that um, it even has viewership that would be interested to watch it? All that stuff. I mean, I hope so because I'm in it. Um, I think it's a great platform just for me to get my name out there and it'll probably be fun to go travel around with a bunch of my buddies and try airs. Um, I was a little disappointed at when we were in France just because the waves weren't good for airs. Right. I was like, my main concern is we don't run the events in shitty conditions where people look at it and go, this is freaking boring. This is like, you know, they're doing 
little two foot airs on two foot waves like if we could hold these events in like actual really good waves where guys can try stuff that's actually gnarly yeah then it'd be rad for sure i just think we can't do it in shitty little waves like it's just gonna end up looking stupid and getting getting written off they need to not treat it like a sideshow yeah which is i mean they kind of had to at at this last event because you know they're holding that they have that short waiting period and and it's the first test you know they can't freaking you know take the best day from the from the guys on tour you know right but i think they need to have them separate from the events just so we have our own waiting period and we can say okay it's on today's the best day and run it when the conditions are really good because it doesn't take long to run right so I mean, I feel like with people's short attention span, that's going to be something cool to watch. It's like a one-day thing. It's not like a week-long tune in every day, watch these heats all day long, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. As you're discussing it, I'm realizing I'm all for the concept, but they need to be very strategic in their execution of the concept. And I think they did misstep in France. By Mm -hmm. putting you guys out in lesser conditions. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, there were better waves done in the CT event. Or better airs done in the CT event. Yeah. So when you look at kind of like, oh, there was an air show. And then Yago's air that he won with versus Julian's airs that he was doing. Yep. Through the event, it's kind of like, oh, why even do the air show? Exactly. It's a problem. Yeah, they got to have it when the conditions are right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I know. I was sitting out there in the final, scrambling for a two foot, trying to find any two foot wedge to do like, I don't know. I I hate surfing when I know there's not a possibility to do something like crazy, you sure. know? It's, it's boring to me. It's like, I'm going to just, I know that the best trick I can do out there is a little air reverse. Like that to me is boring. I like going out going, holy shit, today I might be able to do something I've never done before. And if you could have those type of conditions during the air show, it'd be really exciting to watch. Where's the next one? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think I they've think announced it. I think they're still it. planning it out, yeah. yeah. Do th- have they announced how many they're going to have like in the course of Three a year? Three to five. Are they trying to get all that done in 2018, or is that for next year? I think it's for, I think it's for next year. It's yeah. got to be at this point. Yeah. Um, I want them to have one here. Be perfect. It's we have consistent good air wind, and if you had two week holding period, oh my, you're gonna get a good day for airs. Completely, you're gonna get a good day. And I know. I mean, I've Chip has come here. I've seen him go ballistic. I've a lot of uh, those super gnarly guys. I've seen them here, and they they rip. Yeah. So it's. I don't know. I feel like it's a really consistent spot for doing for doing airs. That's I mean that's why I like it here. Yeah. Um, transitioning slightly, I'm fascinated by um, your mom and your sister's success. I watched that Shep Gordon documentary a few years ago when it came out, mm-hmm. and um, Supermensch yep. is the name yep. of it, right? And then I like saw Nancy Miola being interviewed, and I'm like Miola, that's weird. Oh, they're on Maui. 
Oh, mm-hmm. wait a second. What's the connection here? Yeah. And then I've seen the pieces kind of fall into place over the years and connected them to your sister. Um, who is Shep Gordon? Let's start there. Shep is, um, he's a super mensch. <laughs> you got to <laughs> see the movie. It's like, um, yeah, anyone listening to this, go watch Super Mensch. It's like, you watch that movie and you just go, wow, this guy is like, has a crazy story. This is amazing. But um, he's Alice Cooper's manager since the beginning, and he's done a million other things. There, uh, he's managed a bunch of other artists, chefs, all kinds of people. Um, he's a super agent for all sorts of entertainment types, and really kind of credited with making celebrity chefs right like yeah. linked up with emerald lagasse wolfgang puck mm-hmm. early days and then you can also kind of attribute the food network's success and all the spin-offs of that to him as well because they based all their programming off those chefs yeah. originally and shep was the guy putting those deals together mm-hmm. so he is a super agent who ended up in maui somehow right yeah um how did he end up here? It says in his movie. Yeah, I forget um, too. But yeah, it's it's so funny. You think of when you think of like a super agent, you think of this like big, tough, hardball type of guy just yeah. getting the money and you know like. And Shep couldn't be like, he's like the polar opposite. He's like the most generous, nice, giving, loving human ever. Um. And that's probably why he's been so successful. Probably. Um, but yeah, so my mom's his, basically his, uh, what would you call it? Personal assistant? Personal assistant, yeah. she Executive assistant, maybe? Yeah, she, she does pretty much like everything that he tells her. I don't know. And how, um, how'd she link up with him and how long ago? She, I don't know how she ended up linking up with him is... Was she doing that? It could be ten years, maybe more now. Ten years, probably. Um, I don't know how she linked up with him. I forget. Was she personal assisting when you were a kid? No, no. How did that? I don't know how it happened. I'll have to ask her. Okay. I forget. I was pretty young. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really paying attention. She's like, "Oh, I work for Shep now," and I was like, "Cool," and then. You know, it's it's grown to what it is, but um, yeah, he is. You got to watch the movie. It's like insane. What has that relationship done for you and your family? Your mom working for Shep. Um, it's been pretty big, like especially for my sister. Um, because we just get to meet all the all like the big time celebrities and. And then Shep can say, oh, you should hear my assistant's daughter's voice. And they hear it and they go, holy smokes. And and it's uh, opened a lot of doors for her. And she's been able to just meet and be mentored by a lot of people. Um, it's crazy because there's so many talented people out there. But in especially in, in music and singing. But so much of it is who you know. So we're so lucky to have met him and... And um, also the Nelson family, like that's been huge for for my sister. So let's back up. Who is your sister and lead into uh, the Nelson family and who they are? Um, All right. So my sister's uh, 
an upcoming artist. Um, she's right now, she's signed with Interscope and writing music and kind of working on making her her album. Um, but if you rewind, I don't know how many years, she's been singing and gigging around the island since she was like super young. But um, so the Nelson family, Willie Nelson, obviously, um, I went to school with his two sons and we became super close. Um, we did a homeschool group in high school. So they became super good friends. And then one day, Willie heard my sister sing at this cafe in Paia. And I think he was pretty blown away with her voice. And he wrote some songs down on a napkin and said, learn these songs. And they sang them together. And it they developed this big relationship and kind of just helped my sister get to where she's at now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. And, um, yeah, it's been cool because I've got to see Micah and Lucas, Willie's two sons. Um, you know, we grew up together, and I've saw, got to see them become these, like, huge stars now, and it's, like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I So I thought, uh, we haven't mentioned, by the way, your sister is Lily Miola, yep. for anybody who wants to follow and support. But um, I thought that, the connection with the Nelson family came through Shep. I didn't realize it was prior to that. Yeah, so um, that came from us going to school together. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Radical. Yeah, I mean, Maui's such a destination that I suppose you get um, people from all over the world kind of swing through. Yeah. Buy homes. Yep. It's a, it's a special place for sure. Totally. Yeah. Um, kind of going into kind of wrap-up mode i'm curious what surf media do you follow nowadays we were talking media yeah we we're talking about like the model changing do you still subscribe to magazines do you follow the wsl like um i'm pretty bad <laughs> I, think I, you're, I think you're pretty normal to be honest yeah I think I, your example is similar to what everybody is doing but carry on um i mean I look on Stab, Surfline, once a week. Um, uh, mostly Instagram. It's just like, it's just what it's become. And it sucks because I'm guilty of what I think is is kind of sad about where the industry is going. Yeah. But um, yeah, mostly Instagram. It's just too easy. You flip through, oh, so-and-so's got a new video. Go watch it on Surfline. Go watch it on Stab. Whatever. Um, but honestly, that's about it. Uh, I have so much, so many other hobbies that I'm almost more interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. When I was younger, I was on the sites every day. What's new? What's new? I want to see the new stuff. But I'm more into like fishing and hunting and stuff now. Where. I, I don't know. I'm just don't watch as much surf stuff. I think that is um, 
a really interesting point. I think I, when I was a kid, I was under the misconception that like, so I loved surfing and I wanted to become whatever it was that I was seeing in the magazines. And I just assumed that those guys all live on the beach in this, like mm-hmm. on the house that's right on the sand and they surf all day, every day mm-hmm. and just consume every magazine, watch every video. And as I've gotten older, I don't know if that was just incorrect or if everybody shifted, but I certainly don't want to do that now. I have a lot of different interests. I know just Kelly as being kind of the example, like that guy's got super diverse interests. And whenever he's interviewed somewhere, he's generally not talking about surfing, you know? And, um, and like we kind of opened this conversation with you talking about fishing and hunting and those things, I mean, that's what they, I, I tend to enjoy surfing more if I'm doing all of those things. If I'm actually mm-hmm. living a balanced life, fully engaged in family, fully engaged with whatever, and then I get to go surfing, surfing's a lot more fun. Yeah, for sure. It's uh when I was little it was it was that though. Watch every Yeah. every new video, every magazine, like I was, you know, that's who I was. But as I've gotten older, you know, you do anything to an excessive amount, it can become a little bit boring so and now that i'm older and i have all these other hobbies like other things that excite me it um it's actually good for my surfing because it's like a you know it's like i get to go do these things and then i'm more fired up to go yeah i i don't surf five times a day anymore you know i surf when it looks good and i think i can go get some clips but if i was surfing five times a day i'd probably hate it so that makes me wonder if maybe the magazines dropped the ball. Maybe the reason why you and I aren't subscribed to magazines isn't to do with, you know, um, media changing. It could be to do with like, well, they've just regurgitated the same story for 30 years about people who went on a surf trip together and the waves that they got. Mm-hmm. I'm not that interested in that anymore. Like the Surfer's Journal, on the other hand, tells a little more nuanced stories about things that are happening outside of the water. Mm-hmm. And... I just think that they've forgotten to cater or they, they had a too myopic kind of focus, yeah. like a too narrow focus, and they weren't really telling the stories that I want to hear, you know? Yeah, I think that's just kind of part of growing up is you you want to hear some a different story. Yeah. When, when you're a little kid, you're okay with, with just pure surf, watch the best surfers and at yeah. all these locations. But as you get older, you, you want to hear something different. You've already heard that story. So it's just kind of, I think it's just, you know, I'm not that same little Grom anymore. Yeah. I have other interests and it's right. just, I think probably most people who are getting a little bit older feel the same way. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so if you do get all your surf, media through instagram what are your favorite instagram accounts to follow Mm. i follow all kinds of just like dude to be honest i like watching like the local fishermen from around here i like seeing what they catch um give them a shout out give them a shout out direct new uh followers to their account oh i don't know if they'd even like that Oh, okay then don't (laughs) (laughs) no i uh any anytime i see anything fishing or bow hunting i get pretty excited to watch that yeah um no really specific accounts i follow so many just random like anytime i see anything 
fishing or bow hunting i follow it so there's constantly just random stuff coming up on my feed but um but yeah i don't know i can't say i have like a specific one that i'm like okay oh, i can't wonder what they posted well it's funny talking about maybe um surf media like legacy surf media being too surf centric and not a you know seeking out the stories that are outside of the water mm-hmm. yeti did a series of kind of commercials called father and son or something yep. like that dude yeti is the stuff yeti produces is insane I they're agree. doing such a good job so like good. there's um i've watched a lot of their videos they had that the father and son ones shane shane had the one and then there's a but they do all these um, really cool different stories. I just watched this one about some little kid who was fishing for bass, and I think he was in Texas, and he caught like the biggest bass that anyone's seen, and he's a little kid, and all these old-timers are tripping on him. There's a couple about uh, this old lady who works in this barbecue pit. Like They're just super interesting, super well shot. Like Totally. Yeah, Yeti's doing an insane job. So the Shane one... It's Shane and Jackson bow hunting is what yeah. it is. And it's three to five minutes. And it's just, I don't even remember what the story was, but I remember thinking like, wow, that is the best Shane Dorian piece that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even mention surfing. Yeah. They didn't even show surfing, yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, they're, this is not an official Yeti ad, by the way, for listeners. I yeah. did talk to them a month or two ago about being a sponsor on the show because I'm like, you guys, the way that you do storytelling, it's human interest. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a perfect fit for kind of what we want to do with the podcast. Yep. Um, so it would be a good fit. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I went down a rabbit hole of watching those videos too. It was one guy who had a big lifted truck mm-hmm. who rescued a bunch of people in uh, Texas when there was this crazy rain and people were stuck in their homes, couldn't get food. Yep. So it's a story of Bubba's truck. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know why, but it the human interest thing appeals no matter who you are. Yeah, you know? no, they they do such a good job. Like, I'd like to start making edits, kind of kind of like that. Like, yeah. I think they just do. It's insane. It's an aspirational model, and it's also there. It's not as if they're even really promoting their products through these commercials. Mm-mm. You know, yeah. like I don't remember one Yeti cooler in that video that i just described yeah yeah. but but i'm kind of a fan of the products now and i kind of want a cooler because they're doing such good job with entertainment you know yeah no i mean their shit's insane i have a i have a yeti cooler do you yeah well Um, you hunt so it makes sense yeah yeah but Um, um yeah i mean if that's like a perfect model for something that i'd be stoked to watch yeah it's like the stuff they're doing yeah i'm gonna text Brittany real quick in case she's out there sitting oh okay did you pull up all right um so are there any up-and-coming surfers that we should all be aware of coming out of maui um yeah uh jackson bunch don't know him jackson bunch he's i want to say he's 14 or 15 Super gnarly, Hokey Bagram. Okay. Ripped super hard. Um, Eli Hanneman. He's already, a lot of people already know about him, but. So gnarly. He's just insane. So gnarly. Um, Let me ask you this real quick. With that example of Eli Hanneman, got all the backing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like he's being groomed for world champ status. 
I can't help but wonder if that hinders somebody's progress and growth where it's kind of like it'll get you to the big show Mm -hmm. but once you're at the big show i don't know do you have the grit and the kind of figure it out on your own whatever that is to then take down guys like gabriel and felipe and stuff like that because those brazilian guys have it they came from nothing yeah so i'm always apprehensive when i see like kanoe garashi griffin colapinto like dude it's great that you have all the support, but to get from like kind of just world class to like world champ requires something deep down within you. Yeah, it's you- a. That's just I think a a trait you either have or you don't. Like but, you're- but you could develop it at that young age, at eleven years old. You could develop it on your own still. Mm-hmm. But if all these sponsors come in and start giving you money and coaching and all that, I wonder if it strips away that opportunity. Yeah. You- you never know how how they're gonna deal with it, you know. You see, because I've seen both sides. I've seen guys that were pretty groomed turn into world champs. Like John John had True. all the backing, and okay. and he dealt with it great, and he's world champion. You know, it's a great. Point. And then you and then you see the other side, like Gabriel and and all the Brazilians who came from nothing and did it that way. Right. So it could go either way. Um, I think it's just something you either have or you don't. Yeah. Um, talent wise. Eli's for sure got it, but does he have the drive? I don't know. It's time will tell. But um, it was good to see him in Waco at that event, just like not get rattled at all. Oh, just he's, like, he's gnarly. It's so crazy. It it was so sick. I was like so stoked. Like holy smokes, here's this little kid that I remember when he like was like just a tiny little kid, like like surfing, and now he's out here like freaking smoking us right and it's so cool to see but Uh, um yeah i mean he definitely has the talent to do it and seems like he's freaking got the got the freaking headspace too he's he's gnarly yeah can you wave britney in real quick i don't think my text went through yeah it's bad reception you can come up if you want you sure Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, what's your next surf trip? Next surf trip? Um, right now, I'm kind of planning on on staying here, just because it's winter time and we're just gonna, it's going to be swell after swell. Um, I'd like to go to Puerto Rico. Uh, I've seen some footage of waves over there that kind of got me excited. So maybe I'd do like a little strike there. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm just kind of focused on being here. Let's uh, quickly give a shout out to your sponsors. And then also one thing I'm curious about is kind of with all these things changing that we've been discussing, what are their expectations of you? Um, I would like to know that. Uh, <laughs> that would be a good thing to know. <laughs> That'd be a good thing to know. I mean, I base my whole career off just trying to land like something groundbreaking every year or just put out a couple like really good edits. That's that's always my goal. Um, just kind of trying to stay in the mix and do moves that are going to be nominated for move of the year and stuff like that. That's I just want to my goal is to just keep uh progressing like aerial surfing. So if I can like stay up up there in that mix, I feel like I'm do, doing my job, and hopefully my sponsors are happy with that. Who are they? 
Um, shoot, Rockstar, they've been great. They've been backing me for, shoot, I don't even know how many years now, but um, super lucky to have them. Salty Crew, which is really cool. I'm so stoked because they're a company that allows me to go fishing and do my other stuff. They're like, you know, uh, I used to feel guilty about going fishing and mm. like, oh, maybe I should be surfing. But now it's like I feel full on like, yeah, I can go fish and they're going to be stoked. I can give them content because they're basically just like a surfing, fishing, diving, like anything ocean brand. Um, so super stoked on them. I got Sanook, who I think I've been with the longest out of any of my sponsors. And, um, shoot, everything with Sanook is so fun. They're like the coolest company ever. Like we do trips and the, and the, the team manager is like basically one of my best friends. Like we go on trips and we just have such a good time and. Um, right now they're designing this super cool boot that um, I'm excited about because I had a lot of input and and I was like shoot we should make like a like more of like a, a rugged boot but with like the full Sanook like still ultra comfy like kind of goofy but still like a rugged boot so I'm excited about that cool and I got some new fins coming out with MFC, the Maui Fin Company. Yeah, I'm so stoked on all my sponsors. I got all kinds of stuff to look forward to with all of them. So yeah. MFC, Maui Fin Company. I got some new fins that should be done soon, so I'm excited to try those. And who else do I got? Oh, and I just started riding for this company, um, Sea Skins Wetsuits. Out oh, of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my newest one. And... Um. Yeah, they just sent me my like first batch of suits. They're Sweet. all super good, and because I'm so skinny, dude, I can't surf without a suit. I wear a top every time I surf, even yeah. here. Sometimes yeah, yeah. like a spring suit. The um, final question for everybody interviewed is just what was the last board that you rode? The last board I rode. Um, yesterday I tried an. Is it an A? J W. A J W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I rode it yesterday. I rode it um, in the wave pool for the first time, and then I tried it in the ocean yesterday for the first time. The kit, the waves were so bad; it was kind of hard to um, hard to tell. But it, it feels pretty good. It's a good airboard for sure. Where'd you get that thing, or how'd you even link that? My cousin up? Logan came in, was riding his boards, and I saw a couple of them, and I was like, "Dude, these boards look pretty sick." They do. So I I just wrote the guy. Um, like, Hey, I'd be stoked to get some boards. And he sent me a few and cool. Um, so I've only rode the one so far, but it works good. He's out of San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it was East coast originally, mm-hmm. but, um, I know he's in San Diego now and I've seen his boards over the years too. And they do look great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just stoked on, it's funny. It's like, um, I don't want like a surfboard sponsor right. because I just love trying all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. And I, I like to make boards, too. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Shaping? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a talented hand shaper, but I um, I go up to my buddy's house and design them on the computer with him, and then I finish shape them. And I was glassing them, but now I'm like kind of getting sick of glassing them. It's just, it turns into just like so much work. Yeah. 
So I just like to go design them, finish them, and get them glassed. High-performance shortboards, or what do you... Mostly. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say last winter I rode probably, like, almost 90% of the time I was riding my own boards. Good for you. Yeah. That's rad. I did not know that. Yeah. Very cool. Right on, Matt. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, dude. Gladly. Stoked. Thanks so much, Matt Miola. Hugely appreciate you welcoming me into your home, and thank you for the cup of coffee. Really thrilled to connect and uh, and appreciate you contributing to this ongoing conversation that we're having here on this show. You can find everything that Matt and I discussed on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. Not only his flips, but um, trailer for the film Supermensch, which just, by the way, was directed by Mike Myers, and it was a project that Mike had been doing hoping to put together for 10 years because he was such a fan of um, Shep Gordon and Shep being the humble guy that he is just kind of deflected all of Mike's invitations and then eventually gave in I think enough people kind of told him that it was worthwhile and uh, they made an amazing film so Supermensch is the film you could see that trailer on our website along with those Yeti commercials that we were discussing and even a video of Lily Miola, Matt's sister, singing at, uh, I think it was South by Southwest. So all that stuff, feel free to leave a comment. I will make sure that Matt sees it. And then, of course, take advantage of that spyoptic.com offer for the $500 gift certificate this month or next month, December. And, uh, I mean, that's just such a generous gift from them. So thank you to Spy Optic. That promo code, our promo code, is podcast. Easy to remember. And then that's it. I'm going to get back to work here at the Florida Surf Film Festival. I've got an upcoming interview with Jeff Timponi from Maui, one with Pat Rawson on Oahu, and then, of course, um, film directors from Florida and various shapers as well. So lots to look forward to through the end of the year. Track it all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. This is David Scales saying thank you for that. I hope that you get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on.